0: Hi everybody, it's Peter Bassler again with ESEC Lending for another version of ESEC Lending Insights. Here, back with the familiar crew: my colleagues Jim Maroney and Brooke Gilman. And today we are going to be talking about not what borrowers want, but what do lenders want when they're thinking about borrowers in their program? And so, before we do that, I just want to ask the audience for a question as we pull you. There's been some debate internally about whether we turn video on. For so I want to know from the audience, is that a good call? Do you guys want that or does that scare you? Either way, let us know. But because we're turning the tables here and it's not about what borrowers want and we're asking Jim Moroni questions, it's about what lenders want. So we're going to ask Jim to step in, in an unfamiliar role of being moderator and ask Brooke and myself some questions. So Jim, over to you, my friend.
1: I like turning the tables. I will vote for no video. If I get a vote, because that would require a shave and a shower, which is not necessarily my forte during this work from home.
2: I'm not sure uh, that the shower actually matters that much for video. I mean, uh, well, is, I'm happy to be. This asking is not you. like a scratch and sniff podcast or a uh, video cast.
0: I would vote. I would say you look better during quarantine than you did before. So I agree
2: with that. My, I agree with that.
0: I don't know what you
1: guys need from me, but you you have it. You can, I will provide whatever you need. You're oh, too nice. Not true. Plus 20. The COVID-19 has hit me hard.
2: And he knows his vote doesn't matter anyway. So let's move on.
1: I get outvoted. So happy to be asking the questions on this one. And in our last podcast, we did what borrowers want from lenders. So this is a good follow-up. Lenders, what they want from borrowers. So why don't I throw it out to the, the two of you just at a high level an agent lender they look at a lending program what is it that they want to achieve is it revenue driven is it keeping up with peers i don't know actually i think it varies quite a bit would be my guess but maybe throw it out to you brooke to start and then peter in terms of what you think at a very high level lenders want to achieve from a lending program
2: sure So, you know, first off, it varies each lender. And I recognize that borrowers differ from one another, but I actually think that lenders differ more widely than say one borrower to a next would in my view, but maybe you could argue that's not correct. But that's at least my view is I think you can get some pretty wide differing approaches to how a lender manages a securities lending program and therefore what's driving their interest in engaging in lending. But I think it's for all No one would be engaging on the lender side if it weren't for the interest to add incremental revenue to their activities. I mean, that's clear. So it is all revenue driven. However, lenders are going to be highly focused and some more so than others on doing lending in a very risk controlled manner. And whether that is some might have more of an emphasis on operational concerns and sort of operational excellence and avoiding any issues there some might have more concerns if you know depending upon the collateral that they're accepting and what exposures might be into risks on the borrower side or risks on the collateral side or at times the reinvestment risk that can occur some are also very focused on others if you will risks that they might view that might be more related to corporate governance or active participation and voting So, you know, it varies across the spectrum. Lender types vary, and therefore, what they might be most focused on does differ. But I think it starts with revenue, and that risk component comes right on the heels of revenue. And I think that that then dictates how a lender will participate in lending.
0: I agree with all that, and would just stipulate the fact that every single lender, at least that we talk to and we work with, every single lender is different. And so that's why we run individual programs and don't. Put everyone into a big pool and a big queue because today everybody has their own requirements, whether that's proxy, whether that's minimum spreads, whether that's borrowers they can lend to, whether it's QDI. So every single lender is completely different. So I think that's really important to think about as an agent in today's world. And I will also say that I thought this podcast was going to be about what lenders want from borrowers. So that's what I was thinking about. And so maybe I'll just give a couple comments there because I think no matter who the lender is, the counterparty list that you have is a focus, right? They look at an agent's counterparty list and it's going to be relatively large and they may or may not focus on whittling it down. And I think what most lenders want when I think about borrowers is they want a good credit story. They want recognizable names. They want very little noise on the fail front. I think everybody understands that fails are part of the business but extended fails will lead to people not thinking kindly of certain counterparties. I think they all think they should get top rates, which I think is obvious, and they want transparency into rates. They want transparency into performance. And this is about borrowers, but it's also in general, a lot of lenders want no surprises and no headline risks, because this is in the background. This is not anyone's top priority the investment process and generating investment returns is really where the focus is. So security lending is secondary. So I think people want minimum noise and they want consistency and no surprises. So that's kind of what I would throw out there. What would you say from a diversification standpoint, we run a program where we'll
1: award exclusives to one or two borrowers, which in that narrow little scope would create a lack of diversification. So how do you think when a lender looks at ESEC, and they look at how we distribute our loans, how do you think they think about diversification in our program and how we create diversification for them with pockets of concentration? Or does that not matter at all?
2: No, it matters. It does matter. But I think that, again, each lender is different, but let's talk about it in more detail. So first off, it probably depends upon when a lender is participating in exclusives, the size of the assets that they are looking to engage in the exclusive market, and then the rest of their overall lendable base. Because, as you know, when we're auctioning and when we're doing exclusives, it's very seldom that the entirety of beneficial owners' lendable base would be put into exclusives. And even less likely, if it does go exclusive, that it would go exclusive to one counterpart. But within their exclusive exposure, they could have some large portfolios. Or large buckets of lotting that we do in terms of asset class or market that goes to a particular borrower. It also could be that a particular borrower has just broad success and is incredibly aggressive versus their peers on the borrower side for a particular auction, and has the potential to win a lot of exclusive awards. And so I think that, you know, first off, there's a couple of things that people will pay attention to. One is many lenders will have their own credit limits beyond whatever we might pay attention to as an agent. And so first off, trying to get a sense of what the credit limit they would have for a borrower and what our expectations would be on likely on loan balances when you're thinking about awarding to an exclusive. Also getting a sense of what their exposures might be elsewhere in their lending program on the discretionary side, or if they might even have multiple agent lenders and what their exposures are in those other programs or broadly within their organization. But there's a lot of beneficial owners that can get comfortable in the exclusive environment, that can get comfortable with healthy exposure to one particular borrower. And then I think from there, they're just managing closely their view on that borrower. And if they feel that it's a strong credit worthy borrower and they are very comfortable with the collateral type that they are accepting and the risk correlation of the lendable asset that they have out. And so let's say they're lending us equities and they're taking in us treasuries and it is a fairly strong borrower from a credit perspective. Lenders can get comfortable with having a good amount of exposure to that one entity, but it, you know it's something that they're going to manage closely and pay close attention to. And if there's any headline risk on the credit side, they're going to pay close attention to that. But I think that the first thing they look at is going to be what the correlation is of the loan to the collateral and how would they feel if that entity were to go into a default situation? What's the likelihood of loss on any collateral held? Peter, would you agree?
0: Yeah, I think there's often a misconception around that it's only going to one borrower the whole lot or the whole portfolio. And as you all know, in our auctions, we solicit bids from many counterparties and often a lot may go to discretionary, which would go to our entire counterparty list. And then we're often awarding to five to seven borrowers. So I think there often is diversification. And I think a lot of it is a misconception. And a lot of our product and our business can be, again, tailored to however, or whatever the sensitivities are in the lender.
1: So I'm hearing lenders from borrowers, they want good credit,
2: good behavior and predictability. And no headline risk.
0: Yeah, headline risk, you know, you, you see a couple of borrowers or big banks. You know, there was a French bank or European bank contagion a while back that didn't make people feel good. There's been another German bank that's been in the headlines for a long time. That's a challenge. Sometimes people will take borrowers off their list during that time because they just don't want the noise. They don't want the noise from their management, from their boards, things like that. So I think people just don't want surprises. They really don't want personal career risk. I mean, that's another big thing is people don't want to be surprised such that, you know, they could lose their job.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess it is driven by revenue, but really the headline is risk management.
0: Another thing I would throw out there, Jim, is that I think people today look at this as not a check the box to your custodian. They're looking for a real partnership and they're looking for innovation, new ideas and being proactive. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're often going to people with trade ideas. We're often going to people with ideas for how to use the lending program, whether that's for liquidity or collateral management. And they also want someone who's going to support some of the things they want to do. I mean, that's how this peer-to-peer initiative happened, right? We had clients who wanted to trade with each other. And instead of seeing that as a threat, we looked at that and said, how do we support our clients and what they want to do? So I think lenders really want that type of partnership and innovation around new things.
2: I would just add to what Peter was saying. Yes, I think that innovation and new ideas is interesting and great, but I think that they only want that when everything else is running smoothly. And so, day to day, if there are headaches, that so, you know, first of all, I just had mentioned they don't want to see any headline risk. And from a reputational perspective, from a credit counterparty risk exposure concern perspective, but they also don't want that operational risk. They don't want to have to deal with portfolio managers that are frustrated because there are fails in a particular market and borrower is not responsive enough to getting shares back. They don't want to deal with buy-ins. They don't want to deal with any of that. And even though that all doesn't occur frequently, it can occur. And when it does, they want borrowers to be very responsive and to be able to essentially make the issue go away and not create the issue in the first place, but make it go away quickly for their portfolio managers. Because lending should not interrupt or impact the underlying investment strategy and lending should be able to be completely transparent to a portfolio manager. But when it's not, that's a problem. And so if a borrower's behavior from an operational perspective is not up to par, then that's where the relationship could be with a lender. They could say, look, I don't care if that borrower is willing to pay me the highest rate. And I don't care if they are willing to, for instance, in our world, bid on an exclusive. If they're not going to behave well, then I would rather deal with others, even if it might mean forgoing a little bit of incremental upside or premium versus others in the market.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. One that's lost on probably me and and the borrowers and our counterparts is the pain that that bad behavior, which may be standard and non-painful from the way we look at it, creates pain for our, our lenders and can really disrupt a lending program.
2: So. Yeah. And it's not to say that it's widespread because it's definitely not. And a lot of lenders would have very little experience with sort of issues, but when they do pop up, those can last, that sort of hangover effect can last a lifetime for some lenders. You know, if they have sort of a particular problem issue that pops up, They can internally have people that still remember it and will be anti-lending because of that particular issue that then creates pain point and causes problems down the road for someone trying to advocate for lending activity within an organization. It
0: may surprise borrowers that a fail or a corporate action issue can go all the way to a lender's board. Yeah. you know and be reported as a real big problem which you know to the borrowers is just operational day to day right and i don't think necessarily everyone really appreciates that and to brick's point i mean i've talked to prospects who said look 15 years ago there was a corporate bond fail that went on for a year so until that guy who had that happen retires we're not doing lending yeah so those little things can really throw wrenches into the perception of the product and the willingness to to actually participate
2: yeah and oftentimes the agent if those headaches are occurring the agent has a great ability to shield the lender from that and to sort of you know deal with it first and foremost that is our job But depending upon the lender and their involvement, some are highly sensitive to that. So some want transparency and reporting to all of the underlying back end processing things that might be occurring with regards to, you know, recalls or other things that can come up. So again, it all depends. Each lender is different, but some have a much higher degree of sensitivity to it. And so we'll make decisions to sort of either do business with borrowers or not do business with borrowers on that basis, regardless of revenue.
1: Okay, well to keep with our standard format, I'm gonna throw it back to you, Peter, for a uh,
2: conclusion. All
0: right, great, thanks Jim. We mixed it up a little here, but hopefully there was some good content. Again, get back to us if you wanna see our faces on the next one. Hopefully we added some value to your day, your thinking, and thanks for tuning in again.
2: And if no one comes back to us to let us know whether they'd like video on or off, should we take that as just videos off?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair or maybe we just put brooke's video on and our videos
2: no on. no 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 we're not doing that but uh, no I, I think for jim we could sort of highlight it we could when we're distributing it thumbnail could be just jim's face
0: there you
2: go Your care, right. okay thank
1: Thanks, to to you take care